So my name is uh, Cedric Brown, lead pastor of Commitment Church, and I thank you so much for tuning in with us week after week as we uh, just spend time together, a brief time together that hopefully is impacting your life, transforming your life, and helping you become more uh, like Jesus Christ. Um, We are uh, here on Mother's Day, and I would like to personally say happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Um, Some of you are like me that no longer have our mothers with us here on this earth, um, but uh, there's so been, been so many other women who has impacted our lives, and we're going to thank you as well. And special Mother's Day, shout out to my wife, Lisa. We thank you so much for serving me, serving our children, raising them, helping me raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And all the mothers, of course, throughout the world, we honor you today. We thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, we are continuing a sermon series I've entitled for you, from the ashes. And we've been investigating, if you would, uh, the life of Esther. And it's a fascinating uh, account of a woman's life, a Jewish uh, woman who God appointed for a special time in history, which I believe we can glean from to be able to know how we can go from the ashes into uh, a wonderful place Uh, uh, in life that we can leave a mark, if you would, in history throughout all times and for generations to come. So what we've been doing is we started this series, and the series will be connected to men and women, of course. May will be the time we focus on our our ladies, and then June we will uh, turn our attention to our guys as we head into Father's Day. But ladies, this is your month. This is your time. And as I've I've said as well, I want to encourage everyone not to check out if you're not a woman, if you're not a mother, because the principles still apply to all of us uh, that are found within the word of God. So if we can bow our heads and just ask the Lord for his help today. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for, again, the opportunity to celebrate our mothers, uh, to know, God, that you have handpicked them uh, just for us, and you have not made a mistake. And God, we just pray that you would just allow this day to be sweet, let it be encouraging, let it be edifying, let it be fruitful uh, in the lives of our mothers. And God, I pray that you help fathers, uh, husbands, you help uh, sons and daughters be able to invest uh, in them uh, today. Uh, but not only today, God, uh, the other 364 days of the year that our moms will be celebrated, encouraged, and strengthened uh, like never before. So Father, help me to help uh, communicate a life-changing word, truth, that could impact uh, generations to come. In your name, I pray. Amen. Uh, so ladies, uh, you may today feel as though that you're second best. Uh, you are maybe have experienced bondage of some kind, some historic bondage that has just uh, continues to creep into your life today uh, and begin to get, or continue to raise this, if you will, proverbial head uh, and cause you conflict on the inside, conflict all around you. But then there is also probably a struggle that many of you may be having today, and that is uh, an attachment to family heritage. Let's say that your mom and dad, you're conflicted with your mom and dad, or you may not have a mom and dad, uh, or you may have them, but you don't have a relationship with them, and yet you're you're finding that your family heritage is kind of skewed in some particular way. Well, it's interesting because the life of Esther uh, has so many nuances of this 
that we have investigated and will continue to, uh, to dig into and dive into to apply to all of our lives. And again, specifically you today, ladies and moms, that we want to uh, take you to a point from that you embrace your ashes as Esther did and then move into this glorious place in which God has, has called for you to, to live and to impact uh, generations to come. And we want you to, to do this and finish well in this, not merely just get by day in and day out, but to finish well and to know that every single day of your life, you're making some form of an eternal impact and, and transformational impact on, on those lives that are around you. And God has given you an opportunity to influence. Now, within this series, we've been, again, in, in, uh, identifying and embracing the ashes. In other words, we're going back, looking at Esther's life, and then saying, okay, what, what issues did maybe Esther uh, have and, and maybe you have in similarity to Esther? But then how do we leave those ashes behind and then begin to walk in the newness of life and begin to finish life well? Now, as we uh, go to Esther chapter 2, um, just as a reminder, I, I've coined a definition uh, of from the ashes this way. It is when God takes all that you were, all that you are, all that you have, and begin to, uh, if you would, start the process of, of making you all that he has called you to be. So taking you all that you, all that you were, all that you are, all that you have, and begins the process of making you into everything that he's called and created you to be. And just know that God wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. Nothing is wasted at all. Not a second, not an event in your life that is ever wasted that can ultimately make you into the person, the magnificent person that he's called and created you to be. So again, if you could turn to Esther chapter 2, Esther chapter 2. And remember last week, we, we found two forms of ashes. The first was this. You may start off life as second best as Esther. Esther wasn't the king's first choice. But, but you may start off in life somehow second best. But you, secondly, we found out that you may find yourself being raised in, in, in bondage. In other words, there, you, can, you can, if you're honest, and, and we're honest with ourselves, we carry baggage and bondage from childhood even though your childhood can be perfect, somehow, somehow way, that perfect childhood can end up being the perfect storm in your life today. So we found out last week the two ashes. Number one is that you may find yourself second best. And secondly, you may be raised in some form of bondage that found its way in your life today. And it's becoming, it's becoming some kind of hindrance relationally or mentally, emotionally in your life today. But then if you go to Esther chapter 2, again, uh, verses 5 through 7, it says this. Now there was at the citadel in Susa a Jew whose name was Mordecai. This is, uh, uh, this is Esther's relative, right, who, who took care of her, as you would see. It says, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, uh, the son of Kish, and a Benjamite, who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives who had been exiled with Jeconiah, king of Judah, uh, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father. You hear that? She had no father or mother. Now, there may be some people today who are watching that literally have no father, no mother, 
or can't even find their mother or their father or, and or both. Uh, this, this is a wonderful promise here you find nestled within this passage because the, the other part of the ash if, or ashes that Esther had to deal with and start embracing is that there could be a distinct possibility in your life that you would have no family history, no family heritage that you can, you can embrace and even pass on to your children. Or let's say you do have some form of a family heritage, but it's broken, it's dismantled, and you don't want to carry it into your family history or tree. And here you find some, some wonderful promises nestled within the scriptures. But before we do that, I want to I read something to you. And it's this. It says there's six psychological effects of growing up without a dad. Now, now, this is probably some of the things that many of you who are watching me are struggling with. It says six psychological effects of growing up without a dad. Now, not, not a mom and dad, but just the dad, right? It says more likely to be aggressive, more likely to be depressed, more likely to have a low self-esteem, more likely to do poorly in school, more likely to be incarcerated and to commit suicide. More likely to do drugs. And that's just six of the realities that begins to occur in someone's life just living without their dad. And I say just affectionately, just living without the father. But here's Esther who lived without mom and dad. So you know she had some personal issues that she had to overcome dealing with her family heritage. So let's see then what God says about this new family heritage that is offered to you and me. It says this in Psalm 68, verse 6. God makes a home for the lonely. So today you may, you may be lonely, but God makes a home for you. Then it says in 1 John chapter 3, Verse 1, see how great a love the Father has that's bestowed upon us. You hear that? The Father, your Abba Father, your Heavenly Father bestowed upon us. It says that we would be called children of God. And this is beautiful. It ends with this. And such are we. So he's called you his children, his daughter. But he says, no, no, it is such who you are. It's not who you used to be or could be, but it is who you are. Then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you're now of God's household. So here, here we have, again, you may not have any history, but God is saying to you today that when you embrace your ashes, God will give you literally a new household, right? And then lastly, John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So today, if you've never received God, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't have the right to become sons of God, daughters of God. But today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, listen, you have said, you, said you have the right to become a daughter of God, a child of God. Then it goes on to say, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So again, there's this born againness. There's this put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you have the awesome and wonderful privilege to be daughters of the living God. Listen, when you embrace your ashes, God gives you a, an authentic 
family heritage that can never be, never be dismantled. Amen? But then you also find here in, in uh, Esther chapter 2, Esther chapter 2, uh, verses 8 and 9, you have the second ash, if you would, or form of ashes that we will uh, identify today. It is this. It says in verse 8 and 9, So it came about when the command and decree of the king were heard, and many young ladies, and listen to that, many young ladies, so Esther was one of many, right? It says, were gathered to the citadel of Susa in the custody of Haggai. It says that Esther was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Haggai, who was in charge of the woman. Now the young lady pleased him and found favor with him. So he quickly provided her with cosmetics and food and gave her seven choice uh, maids from the king's palace and transferred her and her maids to the best place in the harem. So here we have Esther being a woman who has a struggled, uh, vague, uh, unidentified family heritage, right? Now she, she has to deal with all these emotions, I'm sure, and just put yourself in her shoes and, and just let your imagination be creative today. What would you be feeling? What would you be thinking? What, you know, what would be your, your, your reactions to all this emotionally, mentally, physically? How would you, you know, act? Typically, someone would just, you know, put a, put a, a fortress around themselves and, and begin to be very, very protective of themselves, protecting their emotions, protecting their you know, their being and, and making sure that they are safe because they don't feel safe because they don't have some connection or heritage or, if you would, uh, covering by her parents, right? So, which, which is interesting because it leads to the second ash that, that uh, Esther had to embrace is she had to literally rely upon solely the favor of God. Now, that may sound strange because you said, well, but that's God's favor. yes. But still today, you could grow up with both parents. Everything can be going extremely well for you. You could be educated. You could be, you can be the, you know, the most uh, successful woman on this planet. But you still have to rely upon the favor of God. You still have to rely upon God's intervention, God moving in the hearts of others. In other words, you have to realize that you don't have any control. You have no power. You have no ability, ultimately, but to rely on God. And that is an ash moment. In other words, that's the time that you have to say, God, I'm throwing my hands up and I just can only trust you because this thing is totally out of control. It's totally out of my hands, and I'm just one of many women who has just been lumped up in this group, if you would, to just find my way and navigate my way, uh, if you would, in a place in history that I don't know where it's going to end up, right? There's nothing that shows prior to the story, if you would, that guaranteed that Esther was going to be chose and chosen as the king's wife, right? There's nothing that shows that. There's no indicator. But here you find the necessity for a woman to rely solely on God's favor, which makes her even more vulnerable, more vulnerable. But this is what Psalm 512 says this to us. For it is you, meaning God, who blesses the righteous man or woman. O Lord, you surround him or her with favor as with a shield. So put your name in that. God, you surround me 
with favor as a shield. It is you, God, who bless me, right? And that is total dependence, total reliance, and you got to give in to that. And so many people today struggle with giving in to God being in full control and, and relying on the full favor of God. Then Psalm 84 verse 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So as you walk uprightly before God, his favor will surround you like a shield, and there'll be no weapon that will ever be formed against you will, uh, will prosper, no matter your family heritage, no matter your, no matter your skill set, no matter the opportunity, no matter if you're lumped up in, in a group of up. Uh, Hundreds of other people, God's favor will follow you as you continue to walk uprightly. So listen, when you got let God, uh, you know, uh, into that part of the ash of favor, favor of his favor or his control in your life, inevitably he will always provide you the favor of God beyond measure. So those are the two ash points for today. Now let's move into leaving your ashes behind, leaving your ashes behind, right? Now, as we do this, I want to remind you of the definition of from the ashes. Again, it's, it's God, when God takes all that you were, all that you are, and all that you have, and begins to make you into every single thing that he has called and created you to be. That is him causing all things to work together for your good, Right? Because you love him and because you're called according to his, his purpose. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. You're, you're his and, and you're priceless. Remember last week you talked about that you are engraved in the palm of his hands. And nothing can ever erase that out. You are engraved in his hand. You spe- especially. So again, leaving our ashes behind. And now we're moving forward towards that finish line. How do we do this? I'm going to give you two points today. The first is this, as you leave your ashes behind, now think about the context of this. No family heritage, you know, it's, I'm at a vulnerable place that I have to just rely upon God, right? But then you have Esther, you find, begins to uh, embrace, if you would, the finish line in verses 21 through 23 in Esther chapter 2. It says this, <clears throat> Esther chapter 2, verses twenty. Uh, 1 through 23. In those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bij, uh, Bij, uh, then, a, then and Teresh, two of the king's officials, from those who guarded the door, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Verse 22. But the plot became known to Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther, Right? It says, the Nestor informed the king in Mordecai's name. Now when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on a gallows, and it was written in a book of chronicles in the king's presence. So just nestled within these verses, you have this. You had Esther who had the choice. Now keep in mind, again, keep in mind the context. The context is, I'm a woman, I'm a person who have no family heritage, which which causes insecurities, causes distrust, causes I'm going to be in control, I'm going to protect myself, I'm not going to risk myself or anybody else because you know what? All my life has been risky. 
right? So I'm going to make sure I put a shield around myself to make sure my heart is protected, that my emotions are protected, that everything about me is protected. But then again, all through my life, I now, especially now to this climactic point, and that, that I'm plucked out of my stability of my cousin's home, if you would, who raised me, and now I'm, I'm, I'm plumped in, in, and lumped into this group of women that I don't know, in a place that I don't know, a system that I don't know. Can you imagine how vulnerable Esther was? And the last thing anyone in that particular context would do is say, okay, now I'm going to trust the person who's in authority over me. Right? I'm going to now trust the person who's in authority. I'm going to give in to Here's the third or the first point of moving forward. I'm going to give in to honoring all authority that has been assigned, sovereignly assigned over me. And this is simply what happened to Esther. Sovereignly God assigned King Asuerus over her to be able to be here, ultimately her husband and also her ruler. How would you respond to that? Total New guy in your life. It's kind of like when that, that woman who grows up in a, in a home that, that is like is very vulnerable. She, she becomes very vulnerable and, and insecure. And she has her baggage she brings into her marriage. And then God says to her, oh, submit to your husband. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't easily work that way. It takes years. It takes earning of trust. All these different things, right, that begins to have to be uh, vetted out in the a, in a, in a heart of a woman. So put Esther in that context. That here's a new husband, new system, new leader, do what he says to do. Matter of fact, more than that, I want you to protect him and put yourself out there and risk yourself on behalf of this person who's now your authority. Growing up in unhealthy heritage makes honoring any authority very difficult. So that being said, Listen, Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, begins to describe how we should respect all authority. You as a woman are to respect all authority. It says this, remind them to subject, to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. And this was a good deed that Esther expressed. To malign no one, to be peaceable, to be gentle. Don't protect yourself. It says, showing every consideration, it says, for all men, not just the ones you like, not just the ones you feel safe around, but all men. But then, then the scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, drills down in how you as a wife and, and future wife, how you should you know, begin to honor your husband. Listen to what it says. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husband. So that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, and we, we are sometimes or many times, it says that they may be one without a word. In other words, you don't have to manipulate them with your words. You don't have to control them with your words. It says, so you may win them without a word by the behavior of their wives, just how you live. It says, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not merely be external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on, on dresses. So it didn't say avoid that responsibility, right, of taking care of the outside beauty, but it said it can't just be merely that. 
It can't just be only and solely that. Verse 4 says this, But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and a quiet spirit. And, and listen to how it ends. It says, which is precious in the sight of God. Right? So, so at the end of the day, honoring man, honoring your husband, when we don't even deserve to be honoring, this is precious in the sight of God. God knows it's difficult. God knows it's even even more difficult if you struggle with a family heritage or you have insecurities and you've just been relying you know, you know, on God to just make a way out of no way in every area of your life. It's very difficult to submit to someone that you don't quite trust yet. But yet it is, it is precious in the sight of God. When you leave your ashes behind and you start to learn how to honor authority, man, God will always be, listen, ladies, he will always be your ultimate authority and he will always keep guys like myself in check. You can rest assured of that. Here's our second um, way to leave the ashes behind and and finish well. You find in chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, this overview of the plot uh, of the Jews. So you have the story and the narrative transitioning that now you have this arch enemy of the Jews who want to just annihilate them and wipe them out. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And you can read that at your leisure. But then you look at chapter 4, verses uh, one through four, you began to see Esther, uh, Esther's heart. His, her heart in verses one through four says this. When, when, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. He went as far as the king's gate for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. In each and every province where the command and decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. Then verse 4, Then Esther, it says, maidens and her eunuchs and came and told her, and, and the queen, it says, it, she, she writhed, it says, in great anguish which simply means that she struggled on the inside in, in some uh, purposeful and meaningful way. It says, and she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. So here you find in these, nestled within these verses, this, this compassion, this, this struggle on the inside that Esther begins to develop. Why? It's because the, the next point I want to give you here is that to leave your ashes behind and finish well, it has to go to, you know, taking the focus off of me. And now I got to become a person that is willing to help others. I got to be a person that is willing to help other people, right? And understand the difficulty in that. Again, no family heritage means that, you know, I'm going to circle the wagons around me. Then let's say that you, you go from just you, now you have a family. Chances are, is I'm going to now circle the wagons around my little family to make sure my family doesn't struggle like I struggled in, in my family as a child, right? I'm going to protect my children, and my children's not going to have all the problems that I have, right? And then what begins to happen in many cases is there's a discounting or there is a missing the mark in helping others who don't belong to you. 
There's this disconnect, emotional disconnection, this lack of empathy and, and sympathy and compassion that, that is missing outside of your camp, ladies, right? It's because I'm protecting myself, I'm protecting my, my newfound family heritage in God, and you can be saved and set free and transformed, but some way, somehow, a woman's heart, a mother's heart must transition from helping just mine to helping someone else. And that's what you begin to see in Esther is like that there's this, there's this, you know, this struggle on the inside that I got to now do something about others. So she begins to have this, this private investigation happen. If you look in verses uh, five through eight, verses five through eight, it says, then Esther summoned uh, Hachach from the king's eunuchs. It says, whom the king had appointed to attend her and ordered the, him to go to Mordecai to learn what was this, uh, what this was, and why this was. So she's finding the who, what's, where, when's, and why's. So it says, skip to verse seven. It says, so Mordecai told him all that happened to him, and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasurers for the destruction of the Jews. Verse eight. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict which had been issued in Susa for their destruction. And he might show Esther uh, and inform her and to order her to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead him before the people. So here you have Esther investigating and now doing something about it. You know, why did this happen? What has happened? Give me a copy of the text, right? Let me be informed so I can ultimately be in the best position to help others. And that's, listen, ladies, I know you would drill down into the root of an issue to protect you and yours. To circle the wagons around you and yours, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. You circle the wagons around your household. But will you feel that empathy? Will you struggle and have that anguish on the inside? Will you investigate and go into grave details to find out, to make sure you're in the know, to make sure that you are prepared to adequately help someone outside of your personal choice of people, which is your family. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, gives us some clarity as it relates to uh, of a calling and a responsibility that you, that we have, uh, that God has placed within each one of us uh, to help others and to honor him in doing so. It says, but beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. So in other words, when you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when you begin to leave your ashes, move in a direction to finish well and to become everything that God has for you, understand that there are better things concerning you. There are better things than just you and your family doing okay, you doing okay. There's better things than just, again, you and those you circled and encamped doing okay, right? Feeling better in Jesus is more than just you feeling good and being okay. It says, and things that accompany salvation, right? Okay, now that I know Jesus, I'm studying the Bible, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing my Bible and Christian thing. There's more than those things accompanying salvation. What are they? It says, though we are speaking in this way, for God is not unjust so as to forget, it says, your work and the love which you have shown towards his name. 
in having ministered and in and in still ministering, you hear this, to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So in other words, there's this ministry responsibility that has to extend outside of your home to realize, it says, the full assurance of the hope until the end. Then verse 12 says this, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Ladies, God doesn't want you to become sluggish and just kind of go through the motions and be on par. And that's all you are is on par with the Christianese and, and just doing the motherly duties every single day. He does not want you to become sluggish and forget that there's a calling that God has placed on your life to ultimately help others. And that's what the ultimate, that's the ultimate end of the gospel. Yes, leave a lasting legacy. Yes, it is your responsibility to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Yes, it is your responsibility to care for them. It is your responsibility, but it's also your responsibility as a lover of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, as the bearer of the cross of Christ, to not become sluggish, but become a woman who is able to think of others, desire to think of others. You can't leave your ash and then not think of others. Amen? I want to close to you as promised, uh, close with this, as promised last week, uh, the benefits of the uses of wood ash. Here's a few today. Wood ash can be used for a chicken feed supplement (laughs) because wood offers calcium and potassium. Here's some household usages. It can be used for stove glass cleaner. It says add a little bit of water to a small of wood ash, uh, and it, it could be an effective glass cleaner. Homemade soap. It says the first soaps were made of on, on homesteads by combining water and wood ash to make lye as necessary soap. Odor removal. So you want to remove some odor <laughs> remover from your house? Better than Febreze? It says this. Just, just baking soda. Ash is a great odor removal. It says fill a small bowl with ash, place it in the refrigerators, change it every couple of days until the bad smell is gone. It also is a polish or an abrasive cleaner. It says Dry ash removes dirt and grime from many surfaces such as glass, stainless steel, and even frying pans. Here's the last one. It's a stain remover. White ash combined with water to form paste can remove watermarks and stains from furniture. Washing clothing, and and it can remove chemicals from cotton and bamboo and hemp fabrics. Uh, It's easy, it says, by using and rubbing ash and adding ash within the, the laundry cycle. Listen, mothers, here's the reality. The reality, ladies, is that you, your nature as a nurturer is to spend hours after hours and effort after effort after effort trying to make things better, especially things better for the people you love. But here's the dilemma. The dilemma is this, is that you can't make it smell better, shine better, 
look better, and even feel better until you become a woman who is willing to embrace your own ashes, to embrace your own ashes. Let God use those ashes to make you better for those you want to make better. Let's stand again with the definition from the ashes. When God takes all that you are, all that you were, all that you are, okay, all that you have, and begins to start the process of making you all that you need to be, all that you were, all that you are, all that you have. You don't need anything else for him to start making you into the woman of God he's called you to be. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for being men and women who live for you. Thank you so much, God, for our ladies, our mothers, especially today, who have the opportunity, God, to be better from their ashes. Today, there may be somebody who, who need to fully embrace the finished work of Jesus Christ in their lives. This is simply how you can do it. You just pray this simple prayer with me by just saying, Jesus, forgive me. I've chosen to live a life apart from you. God, I've chosen to just do my own thing. But I now realize for me to truly become better at me, better as a woman, better as a mother, I need to surrender to you, Jesus. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart, my life. Take full control from this day forward. But for those who've already prayed a prayer similar to that, I just encourage you right now to surrender to your ashes. Just say, okay, God, I embrace them. Thank you for the failures. Thank you for the pain. Thank you for the family that I was brought up in, no matter how good, bad, or indifferent it has been to me. Thank you, God, for just the favor, the uncontrollable favor that I have no control over in my life. Thank you, God, for the responsibility you've given me to honor all authority in my life. Thank you for the challenge, God, to ministry and calling to help those outside of I naturally, easily love. Help me honor you in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I thank you so much for joining us today uh, on Commitment Online. Um, we just continue to ask you to please consider supporting us um, with your financial contributions. And thank you for those who are already doing it. It is, it is never, ever going to uh, go unnoticed. And as Elder Mark said uh, prior uh, to me, you know, as you give, we're now able to give. And when you give, we're able to go. When you give, we give. When you give, we go. And we're able to reach all, all nations and tribes and tongues with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Online, church app, text to give. You can text to give to 77977 and test the words Commitment Church. And you can give even right now as the Lord leads. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook on all the social media platforms. Please feel free to subscribe to our weekly wire to be encouraged throughout the week on every Wednesday. I'll send you a video just to encourage you throughout the week. And you can go to loveallnations.org, loveallnations.org to find it there. May God bless you.
things I have hoped in fall through my hands. You have plans to redeem and restore me. You're behind and before me. Oh, help me but of Commitment Church, and I want to thank you so much for joining us today during our worship service. I pray that your experience with us was fruitful, encouraging, transformational for generations to come. I would just like to continue to encourage you to follow us on all of our social media platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, and all, all of the above. And feel free to download the app, which is the Anchor.fm app, to follow our podcast as well. Again, this is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church. If you want more information about our church, please visit loveallnations.org. That is loveallnations.org. May God bless you.